0: Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Trish McFarlane. Today, we are sharing part two of my in-depth interview with Sarah Morgan, the founder at Buzz A. Rooney, LLC, and creator of the Black Blogs Matter and Black Pods Matter hashtags on Twitter. If you've already listened to part one, we really hope you'll enjoy part two. If you haven't listened to part one, definitely go back and catch that episode as well, this was a very long, full, robust discussion with her about all things human resources, what's going on in the world today, how things are going in a pandemic, as well as specifically around how diversity and inclusion are impacting all of our lives and how we can do better at becoming anti-racist. I do hope you'll enjoy the show. Um, so Sarah, I know we've been uh, we've been really digging into some you know to some juicy bits for. Um, especially for practitioners and leaders yeah. to things they can actually do to help themselves and their businesses. But I want to sort of um, close our conversation with a couple of the things that you have going on, which are really good resources for um, for our audience who might be looking for additional podcasts to listen to additional um, ways to educate themselves. Cause we've talked a little bit about that, about how organizations aren't necessarily out there educating um, human resources or talent professionals in general. So um, first, can we talk a little bit about your podcast? I mean, Leading in Color, I know it's been around you said, for a year and a half, and mm-hmm. I, feel like it's, I feel like it's longer than that. And I have to tell you, it's it fills such a, a unique space that no one was covering. So yeah. can you maybe talk a little bit about um, what you've been doing in the last year and a half with podcasting and how you feel that's really helping Grow your audience, um, and yeah. maybe even reaching people that you didn't have access to
1: before. Yeah, it. Um, so I, I'll, I'll back the story all the way up to kind of how it came to be. Um, Trish, you will remember back in 2017, I started the Black Blocks Matter challenge, um, and it was a hashtag challenge where I created a calendar of content surrounding being Black and, 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 wor- and working and the challenges that you face and, and the intersections between work and life. And really that came out of my own frustration of, of not feeling like I was expressing that part of my identity clearly enough. And with everything that was going on, feeling muted in some ways. And like, I was waiting for someone to give me permission to express these things. And really what I needed to do was to give myself permission, and I did. And um, it became very popular um, and and drove a lot of conversation, drove a lot of traffic to my blog and, and attention to me, which was was unexpected in some ways, but, but good. Like I welcomed it because it, it catapulted me into this, equity and inclusion space that, that I've always been, you know, staunch practitioner, um, leadership management, very traditional in terms of my point of view. I dip and dab in other areas, but I stay in my lane. And this shifted me very much, you know, into a new lane. And I had to do a lot of reading and study to try to, to make sure that that I was speaking from a place of, of informed um, informed opinions and not just out of my own experiences and so um, the first thing that I wanted to do was to um, highlight bloggers and podcasters um, who and give give voice to those audiences Um, I did a, a within the Black Lives Matter challenge I started a micro blog challenge where I was really just sharing the content of other people and themes for the day. And whether that was business or fashion or food or whatever, it's like, here are the people that I'm reading that I really enjoy that are talking about these subjects, just to give exposure you know, to other individuals and, and to highlight moments in Black history along those same themes. And at the end of all of that, I, I was like, I should be talking about podcasters too, because that's a, a growing area. And so when I went through it in 2018, I shouted out podcasters as well, and I had Black Blogs Matter and Black Pods Matter, and then started thinking. That was the time when I started thinking about doing a podcast. And initially, I wanted to call it Black Pods Matter. Um, and as I started, I joined the podcast cohort to help me like develop the concept better because you know, adding something else to my plate. Like I'm already consulting, and I'm writing, and I'm speaking, and I'm working full time, and I have a family. I, I can't just throw something else into my mix kind of willy-nilly. So I needed to really conceptualize this and get clear about the, what I was doing and how I was going to do it. And so the, the cohort really helped me um, to do that and changed the subject from Black Pods Matter to leading in color, because what I knew I really wanted to talk about was an extension of what I had been doing with the challenges, which is one, what it is like to be a person of color working in the corporate world with the the dual consciousness that we have, that we feel being marginalized individuals working in a, you know, capitalist structure. And then the second thing, you know, that I wanted to do was talk about the issues that are facing workplaces from developing inclusive and equitable cultures and how you do that. Um, because for me it always comes back to the practical. I don't want to leave an audience wherever it is without something that they can do um, actionably that they can take back and in two or three steps be able to to tack onto it and, and implement that. And so I wanted to bring that same thing that I've been doing in blogging into the podcasting space. So with Leading in Color, I do an episode every two weeks. Um, once a month, I talk with a guest, and it's usually someone a CEO or a leader um, within a, a corporate structure. We've talked to folks from work human. i've, I've talked to the CEO of great place to work. Um, this week coming up, i'm I right now I'm doing a cross a series on the future of work. So I just did an interview with the CEO of a up and coming um, technology where they are, um, plugging in to HRIS systems, Slack systems, email systems, and they're able to detect harassing and microaggressive language. And we had a good, you know, a really good conversation about that. Um, I'll be talking with with a um, founder of a All Americans Vote um, about what organizations can do to support voting rights and combat against voter suppression. It doesn't matter whether you're voting, Democrat or Republican, red, blue, whatever, Um, but everybody who is eligible to vote should have the right to vote and should not have that vote be impeded. And we as corporate citizens need to be aware of that and we need to be protecting the people who work for us by lobbying in the places where we work to make sure that, that our employees are having equal access to be able to cast their vote. And how do you as a corporation go about doing that that's something we got to be preparing for now with the election coming up so close so it's those sort of topics that i just wasn't seeing Mm -hmm. in the spaces that i felt was really necessary because i feel like that's that's what we want to do i believe that from an inclusion and and a equity standpoint we want to do the right thing and we just don't know how because we're so conditioned to look at things through a very narrow supremacist lens that is accustomed to marginalizing people of color, marginalizing women, marginalizing the disabled, and making us the exception instead of, and an inferior exception, instead of being part of the whole and part of the rule. And we, as women, as people of color and so forth, we fight to assimilate into this structure, and they keep telling us that we're welcome and we're wanted, but we fight to assimilate. They welcome us in, but only so far, and they push us out, and this is constant push and pull, and we have to stop doing that if we're really committed to having inclusive workplaces where everybody can feel like they can show up whole and authentic and be supported and productive and earn a wage that will help them take care of their families. And so every two weeks, uh, that's the conversations that we're having on leading in color. I'm talking about hot topics, you know, the laws that are being passed and things that are happening in the news, and giving you know my breakdown and spin and thoughts on where organizations are getting it wrong and where organizations are getting it right. And so I, I enjoy that. Um, I just finished a series on on reopening after Rona. That's my you know my affectionate name for this pandemic and. Um, Making sure that, you know, what do you do as you're inviting people back into the workspace? How do you bring people back from furlough successfully? It's just so important to me that we be helping practitioners and leaders to make these decisions armed with all like the facts and the practical things necessary to to make the best experiences possible for our workforces.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what, thank you for sharing the just the background of how the podcast came to be. I, you know, I wrote down, you, you said, you know, you're feeling muted and waiting for permission. And I think mm-hmm. that what I love about the the way it came about is you just took charge and you yeah. you made it happen. And as you mentioned, you have all these other things on your plate that might have prevented you from taking that step, but you figured out how to do it. And you did it in a very Methodical way, you know, in a very um, business-minded, strategic way, so that it would be done um, both, so where it would be good for your family, right, but also mm-hmm. good for your for your business and and the way that you work. Um, I think that you know, from the perspective of someone who um, has been podcasting for a while, and certainly not covering all the topics and, and couldn't cover. I think that's the the thing I was thinking about as you were speaking. When I think back to even working in uh, I worked in big four public accounting for about 10 years as a practitioner. And then I had several other practitioner roles. And it just seemed like whether you were talking about diversity and inclusion, um, you can't, as a white female, I'm not the best person to talk about leading in color, Mm -hmm. right? It takes Mm -hmm. someone of color, a person of color to really, um, to really passionately sort of lead that charge. And yeah. so I do love, I do love the name leading in color for that reason too. I, I know it's it sort of it just sort of applies in so many ways, but I, you know, I, over the years, I've been asked to do presentations and different, you know, projects and webinars and whatnot on the topics of diversity and inclusion and belonging. But um, I really always refused, unless I had some person of color with me to give that mm-hmm. That perspective, because I have the female's perspective, obviously, and, and I agree with you it's it, it just is amplified if you 're a person of color who happens to also be female mm-hmm. um, it 's just like layering on the strikes you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because you 're right, even as just women if you take color out of it uh, we 're certainly like you said, welcomed. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you're only welcome so you're far only
1: welcome so far. Yeah.
0: We really just want your numbers sometimes. And then I will we go, go be quiet. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. get me some coffee. I've, you know, i lived that <laughs> yeah. life, right. I used to think about like, it, you know, when we talked about seat at seat at the table, I used to say, uh, this is bad about a boss I had. I said, she's got a seat at the table, but it's because she's standing up and giving coffee to all those yeah. sitting around the table. Right. Yeah. And she was a CHRO, but, um, So I think it's important. I think it's important to have voices uh, from people of color. And I would encourage more. And whether that's podcasting, writing, whether your platform is social media, whatever, find a space to get your voice heard. Because people like me, we want to learn. And we don't know what we don't know, right? We're kind of, I'm Gen X. I was raised up that D&I was uh, sort of a check the box right. program, right? It's not a check the box program. That's what it was in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And I feel like organizations haven't, haven't grown from them. There's yeah. still a lot of organizations back in that mindset. And, um, and as HR practitioners, I don't know that we always, we know we want to do it differently. But we don't always know how. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will just say, and and I would like you, I know we're, we're, going a little longer than we planned, but I think it's really important, um, Mm -hmm. that we do, that we do. And of course I want to talk about the HROI summit in just a minute here, but just to kind of, um, ask you one more question specifically around this, this topic. Um, you wrote about microaggressions, um, Mm -hmm. a few months ago now before George Floyd, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I was crying as I read it. I was just Mm -hmm. so moved. I was so touched when I read that And I thought, I've got to reach out to you and just say, like, this is really important. Like, I don't even know that I realized that. And then, of course, George Floyd is murdered. And we all see that and Mm -hmm. um, have many reactions to that. Um, One of the things that I've learned, and, and here's where I would bring in my question. One of the things I've learned over these last just couple months, even, that's changed the way of my thinking is. In the past, I think if someone said, are you racist? I would have said, well, no, I'm not racist. Mm-hmm. Or I strive to not be racist, right? I don't want that to happen.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not enough. I learned about being anti-racist, which to mm-hmm. me, being not racist is a very passive right. type right. of phrase. Yeah. Being anti-racist is an active, it's an action. It's an action I have to take. I have mm-hmm. to choose it choose to do it. I have to choose the behavior. I have to then live it every day. Not like once in a while. Like I have to make sure every chance I'm getting to not have microaggressions, not um, limit opportunities for other people who Mm -hmm. look different than me. Can you maybe talk a little bit just about what you did write about microaggressions Mm -hmm. in sort of the world pre pre George Floyd?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And how that's even developed and and changed in the last couple of months. Cause I, and I know that's a big, we could do a whole show on just that. Yeah, we could do it. Just to give give people a flavor of it, because I know they can then come see your website and listen to your archives and so forth and and read what you've written about to to get better educated, but give them, give us just a flavor of what is a microaggression? How were you thinking about it before George Floyd? How do you think about it now?
1: So, Microaggressions are those kind of everyday indignities is the word that they that is used in the definition and to me it's it's just those jabs I liken it to paper cuts um it's it's you're not injured and openly bleeding which is where the micro of that comes from you you know you're not gonna you're not gonna die um from a microaggression but it still hurts it still sings it still others you and um and sometimes it's positive in, in terms of that. It may be a, a compliment about your hair or a compliment about your skin tone or, or a compliment about, you know, your figure or, or, you know, some other thing. But it still notices, you know, that you are different um, than other people like you. Like, you know, you're, you're, you, know you, you run fast for a girl. We see it with kids. It's, we, we start microaggressing people so, so early, yeah. you know, and or we do it the opposite direction. You, you tell boys that you throw like a girl or don't cry like a girl. We do, the, those are all microaggressive behaviors. And that turn, that can be, you know, racial slurs, gender jokes, all of those sorts of things are all microaggressive behaviors, sometimes unintentional. And that's the thing that we have to recognize. And I think it's important. To, to recognize is that people don't necessarily mean harm, but it's still harmful. and for people with marginalized identities the um, in in a traditional workplace, the idea is, is that most people with one or more marginalized identities experiences five to ten microaggressions a day um, the, There was a group, the Microaggressions Project, that did research on this and published it back in 2018. So so imagine going through your workday, getting five to 10 paper cuts a day, every single day, and what what that would feel like, and how that would make you hesitant to reach for paper. And so when we do that to each other emotionally, we are hesitant to reach out to each other emotionally. We're hesitant to connect, we're hesitant to trust, and that chips away at our ability to be successful and productive. In, in our work and for people with marginalized identities, people of color, women, um, the disabled, the LGBTQ plus community, ex- having those experiences over time, the prolonged exposure to environments that consistently other you and make and point out to you daily that you are different and that you don't and that your difference doesn't necessarily belong here. Or that you're different, but you're exceptional, and so we let you belong here. How horrible, you know, are those sentiments? And having to live in that um, for years and years and years is traumatic. And so when I wrote the piece just before George Floyd's murder, it was as a part of the, the series that I was doing on working during covid and talking about, um, it came out of a conversation that I'd had with a friend of mine who is um, Indian, Middle Eastern Indian. And she was horrified that she was on a Zoom call and someone had observed behind her a, an artifact um, mm-hmm. of, of her culture and had, you know, called her out to say, what is this? And then it's like, take the computer over it, show it to everybody. And it was like, yeah, you know, now she's not in human resources, yeah. but still. Um, and the process that she then went through when she tried to bring this to the attention of her manager and to her HR department and how dismissive they were of that experience, um, because it was unintentional, as if her harm wasn't real and as if the way that her private space like nobody she didn't volunteer to be working from home we're in a pandemic she didn't invite people into her house she's on a zoom call working so they they you know nobody has the right to force you to now take a tour of my home and the things that are within it and I just sat with that for a while and I thought you know this probably is happening a lot and I just thought that it was necessary to bring that to people's attention because as you, not everybody can do, you know, virtual backgrounds and those sorts of things. Some of us just don't, you know, have the ability to do that. And so if you've got kids walking through in the background or your, you know, or it's just your house in the background, it's not an invitation to make comments. It's not an invitation to ask people for tours and, and those sorts of things. And we just have to be we're already dealing with so much and we don't want to add that on top of it. Um, At the times when hair salons and, and barbershops were closed, you Mm -hmm. know, suddenly people who color their hair might be a little more gray or might be a, a different color, you know, calling that out every time that they come on a zoom call about how their hair looks. I remember hearing from, from a friend about how they didn't want them to wear like hats or protective stylings and things on like come on like what are we doing yeah um you know you and for me my uh my hair is naturally wavy and curly and so I just you know I straighten it when I go to the hairdresser but I had to learn to deal with it because hairdressers ain't open so I went through all kinds, you and I talked about this. I went through products and phases and and all kinds of stuff trying to figure this out, trying to get my my hair to do something that I felt comfortable with and that I felt would, would be okay to present. But how awful that we have to police ourselves this way to be acceptable, that I have to work this hard to make sure that the hair that comes out of my head is not going to be a hindrance to me professionally um in a pandemic and so that was really where you know that came from I don't
0: think that say real quick I just want to say too I think that you know for for people who are listening um especially if you're not a person of color if you are are white and you're hearing this like um, a good example is like, so when I asked you about your hair, it's cause I have super curly hair yeah. normally. Yeah. and I hope you didn't take it in the, in the Oh no, not, but backers, you also but. like
1: DM'd me privately. Like we weren't on a zoom call. Yeah. I would never, call call. what's going on with your hair girl. Yeah, like, but, it, you know, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, it was more like, oh my God, I love your hair. And now, we've I'm known like, each yeah. other for a decade. Yeah. So how do I, how can, do I
0: get that hair It was more of yeah. that
1: <laughs> We talk about all kinds of stuff. So right. I don't, that's not the issue.
0: But here's the thing. So. I hadn't really thought about this even, but in this time of pandemic, obviously, you know, I dye my hair as well and have to get it done. And there have been days where there was one day where the, when I finally got to go to my stylist, um, she has her salon out of her house. Right. So when we finally felt comfortable, even wearing masks to even Mm -hmm. attempt this, which was not too long ago, um, I still needed to record the work break, which is video, right? I had full foils all through my hair. I love it. And oh, I, went, I, love it! and I didn't tell Steve Bose, I went live on the video with foils in my hair, but now look, I would have no I didn't think twice about that. I've gone on when I have wet hair, if I have wet hair I got to have, but it, but it sounds like, especially if you're a person of color, you wouldn't feel that oh, me, level mm-hmm, at never. all mm-hmm. because you would be being judged period, but mm-hmm. even more harshly maybe than. Than yep. me. And so see, that's just one example I can think like, I didn't even think twice about mm-hmm. going with foil in my hair. But so it, that's the thing. I think if you are in a, in a position of any sort of privilege, we don't even think about it. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We don't think that someone else would never do that.
1: Just doesn't. They, they, they don't, don't. And if they did, they that it would have consequences for them that it that, yeah. that would not um, have for you. And I won't necessarily say that I feel like microaggressions have changed tremendously since George mm-hmm. Floyd. I think it, the, the horror of George Floyd's murder just jarred everyone so much that it awakened something um, in, I think for, for, for Black people and for people of color, it, it just made us outwardly angry um, that here we are in, in this pandemic and this man is just out with his mask trying to get some groceries and ends up dead yep. um, and, and lynched, you know, just publicly lynched um, in this way. And for white people, I think it, it really was the way in which it happened. The, because a lot of times when we see these altercations that result in the, the deaths of unarmed black people, there's fuzzy video there's an altercation and a scuffle and, and you can almost rationalize and it's messed up. Don't get me wrong, but you can almost rationalize how the situation happened. And so then you can kind of say, well, that death was unfortunate, but it was, but it was an accident and, and you see it and you make that judgment and you move on. You can't look at that and see that there was, there was any justification for how that man behaved. And I just think that it, when white people took themselves and then saw their reflection in that officer, it caused them to question, how am I doing that to black people? And how am I doing that to other people of color? And now I've got, I've got to confront that in me because I would never want to be like that person. And so I think that that's what the difference is. And that's what's caused that awakening. And I just hope that we continue to have those conversations um, about that and and just continue to keep stirring that awakening. I know it's very uncomfortable for white people because y'all don't talk about the, the, the subject of race the way that the rest of us do. And that's part of the privilege of being white when you are the standard and, and the custom by which everyone else has to, has to move. You don't have to talk about what it, it's like air. I just breathe it. You know, I don't have to talk wow. about what, what that is. Um, for the rest of us, we have to be very conscious of, of, of that and how we move. And so I think you guys just have, white people have more catching up to do. Um, in, in this subject, and so you've got to have more lengthy, often conversations to get to where the rest of us already are, but make no mistake about it, we hope, we're, we're all hoping that you do, and that it continues, because our lives and livelihoods depend on the, the consciousness and the willingness of, of you all to be anti-racist, and, and that's, that's essential to to the success of how we move forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. So yeah, just um, a, as a reset on that, um, people, please, um, at the end, we will be posting links to um, your website where they can read about it. They can listen to the podcast episodes where you you really are an educator in our in our industry and and just work in general because I think that. Um, you're right. A lot of times people who are white don't even have to think about it. And so we don't, and it's not, again, it goes back to, it may not be intentional. These, these microaggressions may not be intentional or, Mm -hmm. or aggressions may not start out intentional. But, um, I think if you are not actively moving toward educating yourself and admitting when we do these things, because we all do these things to some degree or another, um, and so, yeah, I, just being more mindful of it too, I think, and having having more voices um, in our industry, speaking up and giving, um, you know, just thank you to, to you and to everyone in our industry who's helping to educate all of us um, to be more open and to be up having these discussions. I will say too, I think sometimes having these discussions is scary. You know, I know you, that's different. It's a lot easier for me to have that discussion with someone you know, but um, part of it, too, is I think we have to be open to having discussions with people we don't know. Um, and so maybe it is starting with the people in the industry who are more public and more uh, available in that way. Um, yeah. Is one way to do that. So, yes. Good. I want to take uh, I know we are we're really diving deep today. So I want to take a pause here and just uh everyone you're listening to the HR happy hour. We may go ahead and make this into two episodes um, (laughs) because there's so much goodness, but nothing wrong with that. Um, Sarah, are you
1: still good on time? I need to hard stop at four 30. So, but we can obviously edit that out, but I, so we can, we got about five, 10 more minutes.
0: Okay. Well, let's, um, let's do a little restart here and then we'll tackle, uh, the summit and then we'll close out. Okay. So, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about with you today, and I'm saving, I think I'm going to save the best for last. It's all been goodness, truly. Yeah. But, but I, mean, I mean this wholeheartedly. Um, I want to talk with you about something else you started. And you're very inspirational. You may not think this, but you're a real self-starter, right? You've talked about your career and how you've, you've started things. Um, you've talked about your blog and how that was kind of, you know, created from nothing into something that was very good for the community. Um, how Black black Blogs Matter, Black Pods Matter into your own podcast. But lately, there's been some real need for instruction Mm -hmm. around diversity and inclusion and belonging and pay equity and all the things that go with that. And so Mm Um, in the absence of that, you've done some pretty incredible things Than in putting together the HROI Summit. Yeah. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that, how it came to being, and what we can do to support that? Because that's coming up pretty quickly in these next it couple.
1: months. It is. It is. It's October 8th and 9th. It's virtual, um, and tickets are on sale now. We are down to about 10 tickets left. So if you're listening to this, get, get over to the website and, and get your tickets um, and use your your HR Happy Hour. Dis- I mean HR. Yes, I am on HR Happy Hour. Your HR Happy Hour <laughs> discount code. Um, type in HR Happy Hour, and you'll get twenty five percent off. So make sure that you use that as well. That's a great deal, right yes. there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. So can so I also offer though?
0: Can I also offer? There are many things that you can listen to uh, for free online. But to me, when I looked at what you've put together, I would encourage people if you can don't use the discount because I think you'll find it's well worth the investment yeah. in yourself in Thank doing you. it. So Thank you. while there is a discount, if you need it, please take advantage of that. But if not, I, I, am also a big proponent of if you, especially if it's something that an individual has put together for a very good reason um, and a very helpful reason to our community mm-hmm. to, to do all we can to give back by, by paying full price if you can. So thanks offer that up there. I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: I, I, you and I speak on the, the circuit quite a bit, and we've had this conversation about the, the struggle for practitioners to get that practical content of how do I do this thing, um, pay equity is something that we have been talking about for years. The the Time's Up and Me Too movements are creeping up on four or five years old now. And we just passed Black Women's Equal Pay Day um, a couple of weeks ago and our numbers have dropped. Mm -hmm. And so we went from 63 cent on the white male dollar to now 61 on the white male dollar. And the reason I highlight Black women, one, because I am one, and two, because demographically, Black women, there are two major statistics that I think matter here. Black women are the most educated demographic of professionals in the world, and yet we are only making 62 cents on the white male dollar in America. And two, Black women are the largest entrepreneurial growing demographic. So we are getting sick of the nonsense that's going on in corporate America. And we are taking our talents out of those spaces and going off and, and doing other things. And I think that you know those statistics kind of go hand in hand. Um, and so when I looked at the, the, I've been brewing on this idea of doing the HROI summit, um, HROI standing for human return on investment. One, because I know that, that we don't get a lot of budget in HR for continuing it. Right. And so um, every dollar has got to count. And when we come back, the first thing our, our decision makers, our C-suite, is asking us is, what did you learn? What is the ROI on this thing? And, and you've got to be able to, to demonstrate you know, what that is. And so it was important for me to make sure that I was, was giving, gonna be giving something that was gonna be practical and that, that human resources professionals can take back and, and do when, when they leave. So I put together five options actually, and I surveyed my, my email subscriber list. So I've got about 2000 folks that subscribe to my monthly newsletters. And uh, they voted and, and day one, I'm calling Org Better Have My Money, which is all about teaching you how to do an audit for pay equity on your compensation bonus and incentive programs. And when you find inequities, which you inevitably will, because the statistics say that you will, what do you do to address it? And how do you put together a proposal that you can take back to your C-suite and your decision makers of how we are going to bring pay equity in line? within our company so that these statistics about women only making 80 cents, 60 cents, 50 cents on the dollar of, of their white male counterparts and their male counterparts, period. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing for men of color, you know, we all win, when, when there's Mm -hmm. equity, Um, how we can, how you convince them to do that. Day two is called anti-racist HR. You and I dove into that a little bit earlier in talking about, the, the um, post that I did on microaggressions and the things that, that happened with George Floyd's murder and the awareness that that's created. This was selected before any of that happened, but it's very bittersweet and serendipitous in, in the fact that this is what we're going to be talking about. But it really is giving the basics of what anti racism is um, and how that plays out in the workplace and our major policies. Um, and in our culture and what we can do to begin to infuse anti-racist concepts into our workplace, how we can change the policies and procedures to be anti-racist, to be more inclusive in order to make our our work environments better for people with, with marginalized identities. And if that were not enough, you can buy up into my coaching cohort. So you'll have biweekly meetings with me and my team of coaches, where we will be talking with you in small groups about taking what you've learned in the workshops and going back to apply it to your workplace, because that's where the real mm-hmm. work happens. Like I went to this session, it was fantastic, and now I'm back and my boss has a question or um, you know, this, this decision maker has pushed back and I don't know how to get over the hump and provide them with the data that they've asked for in a way that will convince them that this is the right thing to do. Well, now you've got this group and you've got me and you've got the team of coaches, DEI experts, human resources experts, negotiation experts, who are going to be there to answer your questions, help you to formulate this plan, and move it forward. So that's what HROI is, is, is and what we're gonna be doing on October 8th and 9th. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as anyone listening
0: to that will, will be able to say, it's really different. It truly is different. This is not just a discussion around diversity and inclusion. Right? No. There, there are no. lots of those and you can get those for free. This is actionable and I think that's the key. Yeah, you will
1: walk away with with checklists and blueprints and instructions on how you go back and do that just from the workshops. And if you move into the cohort, we're gonna go deeper into the learning. And as I said, you'll have the group there to talk with about, you know, when you're ready to make your presentation, talk with us first. Let's do a dry run. Let mm-hmm. us fire off those questions at you and, and give you that opportunity so you can walk into these rooms confident when you're you're advocating for things that a lot of organizations are going to give you pushback on because it it costs them money and it makes them uncomfortable and we we're going to teach you how to move past that that discomfort and so i'm very excited about it i'm keeping the groups small um but but definitely planning to continue it and so get your tickets because because i don't want to sell out before those who who want to engage in this work have the opportunity to do so
0: Good. Well, like you said, you only have uh, about 10 left, 10 tickets left. Um, So that's not very many. So people need to jump on that really quickly. Um, I think also this is something that as you go through your planning for next year, this this topic of actively being anti-racist, of actually then understanding pay equity and where your organization is currently and what your strategy is going forward. I mean, these are topics that are so timely right now, this time of year too. Mm-hmm. So I think you've, you've got it put in exactly the right month. Um, October, I know when I was a practitioner, that's when I would be really starting to think about the, the yeah. coming year. So it gives you plenty of time to take the course and then think about for the next month or two, how to actually put those things into play, like yeah. you said, and get that practice in. And especially if you're in the coaching cohort. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how this goes. And, uh, again, um, people can, um, can find that on your website at, uh, Yep. Right. Where yep. else, uh, just in closing, uh, where else can people find you? What are your sort of favorite ways? I know we like many of us, you're everywhere. Right. But yeah. where, where are you the most? Where are you spending? I
1: play primarily on Twitter and Instagram and I'm the buzz on HR on both. I'm on LinkedIn as, as Sarah Morgan. Um, but I'm, like I said, I'm, And if you go to my website, you can find, connect directly to my social media and follow me, slide in the DMs, ask me questions. Join my email list so you can get my eight on the eighth newsletter. And I also do a monthly ask me anything. So you'll have the opportunity to, and and people really do ask me anything from what products I use on my hair to why did I name my children this, that, or the other to Um, What do I, you know, how do I handle reporting for my PPP loan? When I say ask me anything, I get anything. So, um, and I love that. And so I do, those are my two newsletters every month. And so subscribe to that as well.
0: Good. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, uh, I'm laughing that that happens because I get that all the time too. And I love that because it just shows that people like you as a person as, as well. Person, right? They're connecting yeah, with you the, as a person. You're a total They're human. They're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're comfortable enough with you as a, as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a, a career person to, to ask you anything. So I love yeah. that. Well, good. Well, we will put, like I mentioned, we'll put all those links um, in our show notes and on our website. And we just encourage everyone to check out what you're doing. Thank you for spending so much time with me today um, you are so it's welcome. well worth it for all of our listeners um, also thanks again to our sponsors work human and paychecks we couldn't do what we do without you and we love the um, the solutions you're providing um, sincerely back to the the uh, business community and we hope people check those out as well and for me and for Steve Bose, who hopefully will be back on our next episode, um, thank you all so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour and all of our network shows. Please subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we will see you next time on the HR Happy Hour.